the liquid sunshine discotheque so good to be back with you my name is Maarten Vlot and you're listening to liquid sunshine on the face radio the soul of Brooklyn and we're coming to you from the heart of Australia big ups to Tony Conquera for always delivering the goods with his coconut grove the show before liquid sunshine to get you into the groove And if you miss his show, tune in, it's awesome. He always delivers the goods, love Tony. Now, normally um, I'm live streaming for you as well, but not today. And why not? Well, a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is that last weekend I caught up with a uh, DJ out in the countryside And uh, we recorded a fantastic DJ, one of her sets. And we're going to bring that to you next week. And that'd be live streamed as well. But because of that, you know, everything, uh, all the cameras and all the gear is packed away. And it is, uh, well, a little bit messy. But the nice thing about that is that we're going to catch up with DJ Jane Doe next week. And she did an awesome, awesome set. Another reason is, is that, you know, being part of a DJ community, and it is all about being part of a community. I helped out one of my fellow DJs here in Canberra to, um, um, with some gear. And, well, he still has it, so, If I even were to live stream now, there is just a big tangled mess of wires absolutely everywhere. Because, well, very little is connected. It's a mess. <laughs> just doesn't look good. So, what are we going to do today? Well, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story about Larry Levan. And I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm always unsure but Larry Levan he is a DJ who has had a huge amount of influence in the disco scene why well I'll tell you not immediately after a few tunes so not only have I got lots of good music and I'm going to play music um, that he used to play uh, as a DJ 
So he was a DJ at the Paradise Garage. And uh, yes, all tracks that were played at the Paradise Garage. And I also have a number of mixes that he did. So all good stuff. Expect some late 70s, early 80s disco and some proto house as well. But first, let's play a few tunes. If you want to have a chat, go to your browser, type in chat.thefaceradio.com and you'll get an invitation to the chat room of The Face Radio, the live chat room. I'll be there. But first, bring on the boogie. Thank you. 
Yeah, this track has been getting a lot of love recently, but uh, this is, still remains one of the best mixes around. So Jubea singers, stand on the word.
Yeah, that was the uh, Jubea Singers with um, Stand on the Words and 108 BPM. Uh, remarkable. And I say, I mentioned that because, well, looking at the music uh, that Larry Levan played at uh, Paradise Garage, it struck me how much of it was really, really slow. Slow. Slow but bangy, of course. And incredible, incredible uh, dance. You could dance on it just all night. Um, and nowadays, when you go to the club, you know, it's all it's all like this. 126, 127, 128 BPM. That's the warm-up. You know, I've, I've DJed where uh, my brief was to play, you know, from... One o'clock onwards, nothing below 130 BPM. And you go, really? So that's Larry Levan. And the question then is, of course, you know, a lot of people, when you talk about Larry Levan, they say, oh, he was the best DJ ever. And why is it? Well, it's really weird because it's not just only about uh, music that he played uh, because even though that played a big part but you know it's Saturday at three in the morning uh, you were just as likely to find him on a ladder in the middle of the dance floor cleaning a mirror ball as you were uh, 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 as you were likely to find him behind the desk so this is what uh, David DePino, a DJ who used to open for Larry Levan said uh, the way I clean and vacuum my house Larry, uh, that's the way Larry shined the mirror ball and made sure the floors were waxed. If he saw the mirror ball wasn't as shiny as it should have been, he would get out the ladder and people would sit. They would sit on the floor and wait for him to finish because they knew he was getting into the party. Sometimes he would go up after shining the mirror ball and then he blacked out the room and pumped up the sound. They would scream and applaud him. They knew the party was getting ready to start. Uh, it would strike anyone involved in contemporary club planters utter madness for a DJ to stop a set dead near peak time to personally polish a few tiny tiles of glass dangling 20 feet above the dancers heads but Levan understood that DJing isn't simply about beat matching it's about throwing a party it's about sharing the love for music and he believed there was an art form and not just a mere profession and in sharp contrast to Today's careerist DJs and their ruthless two hours when bam, thank you, ma'am, sets Levant put his heart and soul into every detail at the club with which he will forever be associated. Yes, that's New York's Paradise Garage. On the surface, there was nothing particularly special about the Paradise Garage. Just the latter half of its name indicated it was housed in a nondescript parking garage at 84 King Street in Manhattan. But Levant treated the club as a temple to music. This complete devotion to music, to dancing, to the party could be seen in every element of the club. The sound system, the mirror balls and even the garbage cans were treated with reverence by both the clubgoers and garage employees. And this relationship extended to the dance floor where Levan was able to foster the kind of beloved community which legends and myths are made. And I say this over and over again, it's community isn't it? Paradise Garage heyday from when it officially opened in 78 to the day it closed its doors in the summer of 87. You know, shy on 10 years was a time of enormous upheaval in New York. 
and in particular the Big Apple's gay community. The city was recovering from its financial collapse in the mid-70s, but only through draconian cutbacks in services and mercenary Reaganomics. New York in the 80s was ruthless and cutthroat. Heroin and crack had ravaged the inner city. The outer borough bedroom communities retrenched and became increasingly insular. The post-Stonewall explosion of gay liberation that had produced disco was in retreat. Not just the vicissitudes of popular culture, but to increasing homophobic violence and a horrific disease that wouldn't be identified until the middle of the decade. You needed, uh, you know, a face of steel to survive New York in the 80s. But you also needed a space where you could shed your skin, shake off the daytime days and find some solace. For thousands of people, every weekend Paradise Garage was set space. It was Saturday night and Sunday morning rolled into one earthly ritual where the spirit, however it manifested itself, would take you to a better place. And Levin was a guiding force. He was born in Brooklyn. Oh yeah. In 1954, as Lawrence Philpot. His parents were never married, and as a teenager, he, along with his brother Isaac and sister Minnie, took the last name of his mother. He was always flamboyant. He liked dyeing his hair orange years before punk. And this didn't exactly endear him to his fellow students at high school. But Levan found solace in Highland's drag ball world, which eventually gave birth to voking. Outcasts in both the African-American and gay communities, black drag queens in New York, formed a tight-knit scene and threw competitions based around theatrically and throwing shade. Around 69, while beating a dress for a queen known as Duchess, Levan met his lifelong friend and fellow traveler, Francis Nichols, who would, as Frankie Knuckles, become every bit as influential as Levan. Now we're listening to another disco classic atmosphere, dancing in outer space. And I've got some more tunes for you.
Yeah, so um, Frankie Knuckles and Larry Levant started frequenting uh, The Loft. And at The Loft they played funky percussive records like uh, Manu Jibango's Sol Makosa or James Brown's Get Up I Feel Like Being a Sex Machine. And these funky percussive records, and you know I like that kind of stuff, but these were tempered by weird ethereal records from the depths of, uh, of the DJ's collection. A famous example is a recording of the Misa Luba by Le Troubadour du Roi, a group of 45 young Congolese boys singing a Christian mass in a distinctly African cell. Now, and that is, uh, <laughs> well, p- pretty remarkable to play in a discotheque, of course. And the loft was like um, an underground, um, an underground dance club. And as Levin, uh, a reminiscent uh, to Steve Harvey in 1983, I used to watch people cry in the loft for a slow song because it was so pretty. And while mainstream disco would be caricatured as the unbridled hedonism of suburban Stepford wives and their himbo admirers, 
And if you follow me on um, uh, on Instagram, you've seen some examples that I've put up from exactly that. The, uh, the emotional intensity of the loft sought to create a community centered on the notion of the party. The prime movers of the loft scene were the loft babies, young kids from the outer boroughs who were profoundly influenced by the loft and who would become the second wave of disco DJs. Levan, Knuckles, David Rodriguez and Nicky Ciano. Oh 
Now, the music um, that I'm playing tonight, um, it, it covers a lot of the music that uh, Larry Levan played in the uh, Paradise Garage. And because that was from late 70s to, you know, the mid 80s, you really get this range of music from, um, well, classic disco tracks, like before, Hold Tight, to this one, Bass Noir, I'm glad you came to me, which is, you know, we've gone from the disco, through the 80s, Electro Boogie, and now we're into the, really the early house tracks and I'm mixing that up a little bit because that was one of the things that really came to the fore with Larry Levan as I just said what he uh, got at the loft was that um, you know sometimes uh, sometimes it's really good to play similar type of music but sometimes it's really nice to mix these things up and you know to go, to bring you from one emotion to another emotion so one night in 1972, Larry Levan was uh, in a club called The Gallery. And this club closed, as in, you know, shut for the night. And um, he asked the uh, DJ if he could play some records over the club's system. The DJ agreed. And he started to give Levan some advice about DJing, which According to Siano, uh, the DJ, Levan started incorporating immediately without even thinking about it. Levan was a natural behind the turntables, blessed with a musical instinct. Um, a musical instinct that could not be taught. Larry was the child of Nicky and David, says DePino, two other uh, New York DJs. David was very intense and Nicky was very, very flamboyant and loud and crazy. And I don't think Larry copied uh, Nicky or David, but... Larry learned and Larry knew what a DJ was supposed to do through Nicky and David. Levan got his first DJing gig at age 18 at the Continental Baths on the Memorial Day weekend of 1973. I was doing lights and the DJ walked out, Levan recalled to journalist, uh, journalist Stephen Harvey. The manager, who was like a six foot three inches Cuban guy, said, You're going to play records tonight? I told him that I didn't have any records. You've got five hours. Levan managed to find some records and ended up playing the bath for about a year. The Continental Baths were pretty much the diametric opposite of the loft and the gallery. Located in the basement of the old Ansonia Hotel on the 74th and Broadway, the Baths were a sprawling all-male health club that advertised their aim to recapture the glory of ancient Rome. Sounds pretty good to me. In addition to the expected saunas and steam rooms, the baths had a gym, Olympic-sized swimming pool, salon, a stage where a Betty Midler and Barry Manilow got their start, a dance floor and a restaurant. The baths in-house VD clinic, however, was a pretty good indicator of the baths' true priorities. Although the DJ was largely an afterthought at the baths, the sheer size and notoriety of the place ensured that Levan would gain a following. Levan left the Baths in 1974 to play at Richard Long's After Hours Loft Club. While Levan's growing fan base ensured that the place was packed, the club was in Long's workshop and was essentially a showcase for Long's nascent sound equipment business. Unfortunately, the club's booming base ensured that it wouldn't stay open for very long.
little bit of a uh, sudden tempo change there. That's uh, because we're bringing this one in. Unfamiliar mixer. You get all these buttons. <laughs> that was Bass uh, Noir with I'm Glad You Came To Me. This is a number of names. Sheravari.
Yeah, some uh, clearly early house there. And uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I really like about going through the music that Larry Levan played at the loft. There's just so much, so much good stuff and so, so much different stuff as well. But let's play some, well, more like funky disco-y stuff. Yes, that's there as well. This is Herbie Hancock, tell everybody. Thank you. 
Ah, oh, what a killer track, Herbie Hancock. Tell everybody. That's, uh, that's one of those beautiful examples where it's a mix between, um, uh, you know, funk and disco and jazz. It's got it all. Here with me, Martin Flott on the Face Radio, the soul of Brooklyn. This is Liquid Sunshine. And tonight at Liquid Sunshine, in the Liquid Sunshine discotheque, we're having a chat about Larry Levan. Big shout out to the Disco Disciple, who I know is tuned in. And we've just been seeing that uh, Levan got started uh, DJing at the Continental Baths and moved on to some other clubs. One of the clubs where um, he really got an appreciation for well, a good sound system. So he got started, uh, he started playing in a club uh, started by Michael Brody, a DJ. But that uh, club, well, didn't last very long, but um, because the, um, well, the landlord wasn't very happy with there being a club there. So when they moved on, Michael Brody started the Paradise Garage. And the Paradise Garage, that's where Larry Levan really made his name. So it took a little while for the Paradise Garage uh, was built. But it was built with, uh, certainly with Levan in mind. And it's one of the few nightclubs ever to be constructed for a specific DJ. The garage uh, unofficially opened in January 1977 with um, construction parties which were held in the club's small 900 square foot grey room in order to raise money for the rest of the club's construction. When the full club, with the second largest dance floor in uh, New York, finally officially opened in February 78, so that's more than a year later. It was a mess when it opened. There was a delay in the delivery of some equipment for the sound system. And even though it was in the middle of a snowstorm, no one was allowed inside until it was fixed. Once the people got inside, it was practically as cold as it was outside. Almost all of the A-list crowd that Brody had invited left, vowing never to return. And this was perhaps the best thing that ever happened to both the garage and Levan. With the pretty boys staying away, Levan was liberated from having to please a crowd that he didn't care for. And one that certainly wouldn't have uh, ever tolerated his eccentricities either. Levan was now able to translate the lessons he learned from uh, uh, Mancuso and Siana to a club that became the preserve of the most serious dancers in the city. People who appreciated the atmosphere Levan created and the reference with which he treated the music and the club as a whole. As with the loft and the gallery, Levan created a relationship with his club goers that bordered on the devotional.
That was uh, the Larry Levan mix of Can't Shake Your Love by Sarita. And we were talking about how um, the club goers at, um, at the Paradise Garage, um, they almost treated the club and Larry uh, on a devotional basis. And that's how it's, uh, it's often being referred to. The sermons to the flock were delivered through a sound system that has never been equaled. No, that's arguable, but you know. The sound system was designed by Richard Long and the system was ferociously loud and the bass made your bowels quake. And if if you've heard good club sound systems, there's a difference between it being loud and you know, making everything shake. Uh, some sound systems actually can be really loud and you can still have a conversation. Uh, it's all about that balance. The sound system was crystal clear and capable of remarkable detail. The walls were all treated with fiberglass and so was the ceiling, says the Pino. When the lights went on, there was nothing pretty about the dance floor and when the lights were off, it was just a black box. But it was, it was treated so sound got absorbed on one wall, so it didn't go back and forth. There was no echo. An echo, you know, it's... Uh, every club struggles with containing echo. The fiberglass in the ceiling was positioned in certain angles to make V-shapes to create horns. Bridges came in every Friday with this little machine that created pink noise and he cued the sound system. Then, through the night, the garage would get very hot because there was no air conditioning and you had 3,000 people dancing. 
It had the exhaust and inflow, but the sound would change as the speakers heated up and as the room got more crowded. So Larry would go behind the amplifiers and tweak them all night. Come Saturday morning, when you went in and put the sound on, it was like, oh my god, it's horrible. And then Richard had to come again and sort it out. Richard had to cue the room twice a week. As good as it sounded at 12 o'clock with two people on the dance floor, it was as good as it sounded at 5 o'clock in the morning with 2,000 people dancing. And at 10 in the morning when 3,000 people were dancing. They're huge numbers, of course, but that's how many people were there. And in addition to the fine-tuning the sound system, Levin deployed little tricks like gradually upgrading the cartridges on its turntables throughout the night so that the peak would be overwhelming in its effect. Armed with a sound system where the bass would never buckle, Levin was free to shut off the treble when the mood took him, making the whole building judder and shudder with low-end pressure. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. I love the bass, you know I do. Levan would use the EQ and volume knobs to tease new nuances out of her records, but he would also play with them, with the glorious abandon of a toddler abusing the knobs of an old radio. As the Pino says, Larry wanted you to feel like you were on acid, even if you weren't. Yet, for all his focus on technical minute, Levan was somewhat less than virtuosic behind the desk. Larry was all about the sound. He could care less about mixing. There were nights when he came in, he concentrated, his mixes were perfect and smooth. And there were some nights he came in and banged everything. Because the banging is what made you shock people. You were dancing, ba ba ba, and then suddenly you hear boom and you and ah, it's like a bag full of marbles. Larry loved the reaction. He loved the shock and he was controlling the dance floor. He did a lot of popping and a lot of banging in the records and he did things that made people constantly scream. He liked when it got intense. When you mix beautifully from one record to another in your mix, you create a third record because they blend well, so well together. You can do that for a while, but sometimes feel if you do that all night long, it is boring. And you get that sometimes, uh, you know, with contemporary DJs who not only DJ DJ perfectly, but also, you know, they all DJ in sync. Uh, I've heard mixes where it's just one tempo at the start and at the end, it's all the same. It gets really, really boring. Now you're now hearing the Montana sex set with heavy vibes. Let me get you some other tracks up as well. Brooklyn Express, you need a change of mind. Super funky disco. I just play this for a while without chatting because it's awesome. Ooh, la, 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 la. 
mentioned this again but it's uh, 108 BPM again and you know to contemporary standards it's really really slow um, I like this I really really like um, you know the BPM around that between 110 and 120 that's my dance floor and a while ago, I was uh, talking to Stephen Move um, of the Northern Call uh, show on The Face Radio. Um, that's on Friday afternoon. And he said, uh, you know, about we were talking about mixing, and he said, yeah, sometimes you just have to bang it in. And that's that's true, you know, the, the perfect mixing does get very, very boring. 
And with uh, Larry Levan, you know, some of his signature ticks, like cutting off a record mid-flow or his uh, car crash mix, it seemed almost like uh, the DJing equivalent of punk rock dissonance or feedback. It was after that moment, uh, you know, sometimes de- described as punctum, that instant of explosive insight where everything suddenly becomes clear. The crack of the Zen master's cane across the back of your head, the divine contact that comes with the delirium of a whirling dervish ritual. But Levin also told stories and made comments through his song selection. Larry felt the night needed to be a journey. So from the first record he put on, whatever the time he came in, He told the story through his music. If he was in a bad mood, you heard the bad mood. If he was in a good mood, you heard the good mood. If he was in a bad mood, you heard the hard records come in hard. They were angry, you broke my heart, you did this. If he was in a great mood, he was like, we're going to dance, we're going to party. But moreover, he was not afraid to play disco music that wasn't necessarily disco. And I'll move on after uh, the Roy Ayers track. Uh, I'll play a few tracks that really fit in well with all the dance floor music, uh, but that aren't necessarily uh, uh, looked at as disco music. So next up, I'm going to play The Clash. Yes, indeed, The Clash. Not normally associated with uh, disco tunes. But here this one. It's the magnificent dance. And it is, well, it's always awesome. Get your car out of that gear. Thank you. 
So they were some nice examples of, um, well, not disco, disco. We had um, a talking head there, of course, with slippery people. And well, I've been going on about the tempo of uh, tracks. Slippery people was at 104 BPM and that perhaps is a little bit too slow for me, unless it's, uh, you know, made bangy some kind of other way. But it is something that he played at the um, uh, at the Paradise Garage. But apart from uh, uh, music, you know, disco music that's not disco, or not disco music that's disco, however you want to phrase it, um, Levin was uh, also one of disco's true dub champions. And um, a lot of his dubs are classics of dub technique used in the surface of dance floor imperatives, delaying climax while building tension and stretching the beat. And his most radical remix is what you're hearing right now, Smokey Robinson, R&B hit, minor R&B hit, and I Don't Love You. And so again, you know, this is a good example of, um, uh, of his use of dub, but also of how he used music that wasn't necessarily disco music. So Smokey Robertson, one of the most famous voices in the history of popular music, becomes nothing but a ghost in this track, mournfully intoning the title phrase a couple of times from behind a fork of echo and distended guitar. It is. You know the song. You want to sing it. But it's not coming. Ah, I love instrumentals. But the darkness that haunted the corners of uh, his music mirrored Levant's own self-destructive and anarchic personality. When the garage closed in 1987 due to the specter of AIDS and internal strife within the club's organization, Levin turned increasingly to drugs, selling his records to maintain his habit. There's Smokey. In 1988, Levin landed a residency at the Wilton. Uh, but separated from the garage, Levin wasn't the same. The world was a nice space, but it just wasn't the garage, says the Pino. Larry didn't have the power. It got packed because Larry was there, but the owners didn't understand him. So if Larry would do something strange and the people would maybe not dance, but appreciate what he was doing or applaud, the owners would panic. Levan helped open the Ministry of Sound in London in 1990 and toured Japan in 1992 with François Kevorkian. Seemingly aware that his time on earth was short, Levan said were emotional valedictories, even though he cobbled them together from records that weren't his own. Two months after returning from the Japanese tour, Levan died. November 8, 1992. He was 38, he died of heart failure resulting from endocarditis. Levan was a singular presence behind the desks. Perhaps he was a genius, but Levan's legend is also the result of timing. 
no other DJ has ever had the security that Michael Brody provided and certainly no other DJ had a crowd willing to cater to his every whim. As a result, Levan was able to take risks that no other DJ ever could. As Tepino says, the garage was a perfect storm. And so I've been diving into the music that uh, Levan mixed, but also the music that he played in uh, in the Paradise Garage. Uh, I stumbled onto this list of um, of tracks, lots and lots and lots of them, about 1,500 tracks. And how how that list was created, I don't know. But you know, this is this is what said that this is what he played. Um, and so that's what I've done for you. I've gone through 1,500 tracks to pick out some good ones and give you an idea of what Larry Levan was all about. But two things struck me. One, of course, is his diversity in music. As I said earlier, from happy music to very dark music. But the other thing that struck me is the sense of community that he managed to create. And he did that by respecting the people on the dance floor, but also respecting and you know sharing the love for music that he had with the people on the dance floor. Now we've got about 20 minutes left of Liquid Sunshine on the Face Radio. to finish off with yeah some upbeat dance track this is uh, Sergio Mendes
Yeah, we've got uh, one more track in us before the end of the show. Going to finish up with the absolute classic Don't Leave Me This Way by Thelma Houston. Because, well, it is a classic disco track. Hope you enjoyed hearing all about Larry Levin or Levin or however you want to pronounce it. Legendary DJ and someone who just loved bringing good music for everyone to listen to. We'll be back next week with a special guest mix. Be sure to tune in for the live stream then. And also sign up for the podcast, both The Face, Radio and Liquid Sunshine. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, we're everywhere. Or send us an email, liquidsunshine at The Face Radio.